Well, good morning. Good morning. How's everybody on this beautiful summer day? Good? good. Awesome. Well, we are in a new series called Baggage, and this series is going to last us here about four weeks, right through the middle of summer. And we're going, well, actually, we're kind of joking around this morning. I just have to share this with Ben and I. We're like, how come I got to go first in the baggage series? And we kind of figured out the one with the most baggage wins. <laughs> so, <laughs> stop this me. So, um, so we're going to take a look at past baggage, future baggage, and baggage in the moment that we carry, all those different things. Uh, and it really is our hope that by the end of this series, you'll have some tools to help you unpack those bags and experience the freedom through Christ Jesus, our Lord. And so how many of you have been, had fun? In, some of you have maybe been traveling this summer? A little few? Okay. Have you had to pack any bags lately? A couple? Yeah, lots. Okay, me too. And so every time I pack a bag, I'm reminded of this story of a time that we, we, were, we took a missions team to Africa, to Zimbabwe, to do some missions work there. And we were all together, and we flew from LAX to Zimbabwe, Africa. And we were, as we were getting our baggage, our baggage was coming down on the conveyor belt, and there was their bag, their bag, and everybody was getting their bag. And then all of a sudden, we noticed that Dan didn't have any baggage. So we're waiting and waiting, and all of a sudden we see a hairbrush come down the, <laughs> the little gray belt. And we said, uh, Dan, is that your hairbrush? He's like, yeah. And then after that, we saw a shoe coming down, one shoe. Dan, is that your shoe? And he's like, yeah. <laughs> and then kind of funny, but it's kind of silly. But uh, and then a pair of underwear came down <laughs> the, the thing there. And we said, Dan, are those yours? And he's like, yeah. And so unfortunately, somewhere between LAX and Zimbabwe, after all the flights and different changes, his bags had been unpacked for him. <laughs> okay. But we, I thought, now, looking later, we didn't know it then, you know, because it seemed so inconvenient for him. But by the end of the trip, it had so much significance because God, what God did in Dan's life on that missions trip, he freed him from the past. And Dan's experience, and what he did is he began to experience God's grace and forgiveness, even though those are the things, right? But he began to do that. And by the end of the missions trip, I, Dan came up to us and he said, I, want, I wish to be baptized. And we baptized him right there. We found a Zimbabwean pool and we baptized him right there in the pool. And what significance, right? He didn't even have any of his baggage, but he, God was free him from more than just that material baggage he had, the other baggage that he was carrying. He experienced that grace and freedom. So how many of you here, so my question to you is then how many of you here this morning would like to get some of that extra baggage or that baggage that you've been carrying so long? You'd like to lighten your load. Maybe a couple? Okay, well, hopefully through this next series, these next four weeks, that you'll feel a little bit freer, freer. And so the morning scripture today is going to, we're going to be talking in the book of John in chapter four. It is a familiar text. I think most of you might've heard this before, but we're going to take a look at what really what Christ can teach each and every one of us through this story here, significant through to baggage here today. And you can follow up on the screens or I'll read along here too with me. John chapter 4, verses 7 through, we're going to go all the way through probably to 26. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? 
for his disciples had gone into town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You're a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews did not associate with Samaritans. And so Jesus answers her and he says this, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman replies back and she says, You have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us this well and drank from it his very self? as also did his sons and his flocks and herds. So Jesus answers her back and he says this, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give him or her will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give him or her will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, sir, give me this water. So I, don't ha- so I won't get thirsty and I have to keep coming here to draw water. And he tells her, go. He kind of changes the subject here a little bit. Go, call your husband and come back. So she replies, I have no husband. And Jesus said to her, you are right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you have had five husbands and the man you're now, that you now have is not your husband. And what you have just said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, and now she she kind of changes the subject again. She's kind of getting him off of it. And she says, I can see that you are a prophet and our father's worships on this mountain. But you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. And so Jesus goes back and he tells, I'm just going to kind of summarize this. He's like a little theological debate that the woman and, and Christ is having right here. She knows her stuff, right? And he goes back and forth and he's like, believe me, you know, woman, a, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem and you Samaritans worship where you don't know. So going back and forth. And if we skip back down, right down to 25, the woman says after this little discussion here, I know that Messiah called Christ is coming. For when he comes, he will explain everything to us. And then Jesus says to her, and he declares this, he says, I who speak to you am he. This is God's word for us here this morning. Let us pray. Father God, I thank you for your word here this morning. I thank you that it's ever so living, that this is the living word of God, able to cut through the deepest marrow. Lord, I pray that every single person in this room today would have a special touch from your presence, from your word here this morning, that you would help us to understand what baggage that we might be carrying and how we can unpack that, Lord. And again, we thank you for your word. In Jesus' name, amen. So what we're going to do here now is I'm going to just kind of quickly summarize uh, what we just read kind of give you an overview of what was going on, what was taking place during that story between Jesus and the Samaritan woman, which is interesting. In fact, it's the, it's the longest dialogue recorded in the Bible between Jesus and another person. Isn't that interesting? And so, first of all, he could have gone around Samaria, right? There was another way to get around, but he was purposeful in walking straight directly through Samaria, and in another thing that we read about is that the Samaritans were not friendly to the Jewish people, nor the Jewish people friendly to the Samaritans. They did not like one another. And so, however, Jesus 
knowing this, continue to continue to walk straight through Samaria, where then he meets the woman at the well at what time? In the middle of the day, at noon. And as he begins to talk to her, you have to understand this is a patriarchal society, meaning that men did not talk to women, only their wives. And usually when they were talking to their wives, they did that in the comfort of their homes. So again, it was noon and she was drawing water, which makes us kind of question, why was she there at noon? Because normally the women would come to draw water either in the early morning or in the late evening when it was cooler. And I believe that she went there at that time because she knows her baggage, right? And she, not only does she know her baggage, I think that some, a lot of the people in town probably knew her baggage. And she was either avoiding it or hiding it. And so, and the, the story goes on, and Jesus begins to tell his disciples as they're sitting there, right? So here they are, and they see this. And then he, he removes them from the scene. And I love that he does that. And he says, I said, hey, it's, it, when you, why don't you guys go into town and get us something to eat? how many disciples does it take to pick up a few loaves of bread and a couple of fish? (laughs) He was being purposeful and allowing this time with the woman to be guarded so she could feel not judged. He was caring for her. Then he reaches past all the barriers, right? And here's another interesting point. The only barriers between God and people are the ones we create, correct? And so he reaches past those barriers and he engages with this woman in this grace-filled conversation. And the conversation begins with water, simple. Just begins with water. And she wants this water in which he is talking about so she won't, have, she won't thirst again and have to keep coming down to this watering hole in which she is disgraced each time she comes down. However, he, Jesus, wants to give her much more than her physical needs, right? Much more than meeting her thirst. He wants to give her the gift of freedom in her life. And you hear this in verse 10 when he says this in verse 10. He says, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you see that same gift that Christ talks about in the Bible then is the same gift that is available to us here today. And that is the gift of grace. Nothing you can earn, really just a drink offering being poured out for each and every one of you. And so the conversation now turns from water and it kind of turns to another level and it becomes a little bit more personal. And Jesus starts to describe some of her baggage. And she is, I believe she's engaged in the conversation. So she's engaged in the conversation and he tells her about her man baggage. (laughs) And so he begins to say, you have had five husbands. She doesn't deny it. And then he goes on to say, and the one you're living with now is not your husband. You see, in that society then, having been divorced five times is really unheard of. The husband back then, the way a divorce happened back then is that a divorce only happened if the man asked for the divorce. A woman was not allowed to divorce. So a man could divorce his wife on two reasons, infidelity, and he was just done with her. That's it. 
that's what he could just order. So this woman, and so that just her having been divorced five times created additional baggage, not just once for her, but oh, five times. Putting that away, putting that in the baggage, putting that in the bag. And then he goes on to say the fact that she was living with, with a man, which again in that society was something that you didn't really hear about. And so I think she, she's almost like has this sense of abandonment and she's looking for someone to care for her. And so she then engages with Jesus into that theological debate that we got into a little bit. But she's doing that in order to move him off the subject of her baggage. She's kind of redirecting him there. So she directs the conversations away from her, and she starts to talk about this theology. Well, if the guy that's coming should be this. So what we get from her is that she really knows her stuff. And then she concludes the conversation in saying in verse 25, I know that Messiah called Christ is coming. And when he comes, he will explain everything to us. And then Jesus answers her, I who speak to you am he. That is another interesting thing. Because Jesus reveals himself. He, he could choose to reveal himself to all the kings in that town. He could go walk on the doors like, I am here. Who is the highest person in the court here? Because I want to say, I am here. But instead, he doesn't do that. He reveals himself to the most insignificant person in that entire region. And he was, and as he's doing this, and as he's doing this, he was gentle, he was patient, and he was kind to her. And, and really, I believe, is something that she had yet to experience in her life. And see, that baggage that she had been carrying around for all those years, she was filling her heart with things that left her feeling hurt and abandoned. So we're now, and now what was taking place in here, because as we read on in the text, is that she was beginning to place her, she, she placed her trust in Jesus. And, and you can say, well, how do we really know that, Katie? How do we know that? Is if you read on to the next chapter, it says that she goes directly back into the town, leaving behind her water bottles, not even taking her jug. She's so excited about what she has just heard and what she's just learned that she leaves them running as the outcast and shares her story with everyone. Because, and it goes on to say at the end of that chapter, and because she did, many, many more became believers that day. And so after reading this and thinking of baggage, I thought about how many times I have found myself emotionally, mentally, financially, relationally, spiritually holding on to baggage really that I didn't need and it was all because and it's usually all because I refused to let a hurt go a mistake go an offense go thinking that somehow that if I hold on to it right do you ever feel this way when you have baggage in your life that you feel like sometimes if I hold on to it I can either make it right or I can control it in some way. And so I wonder how many times or how many of us consult God when we know we are holding on to things we no longer need. I wonder how many times we are preparing to go into a new direction, lugging so much behind us that we are told, wait, hold on. 
You have too much for this journey. You're going to either need to leave some things behind or you're going to be pay for bringing them along. And I wonder really how many of us can afford what is required to keep them. And it also makes me think of the baggage area, right? When you go there and you go to put your bag on the scale. We do this often with the mission strips. And they tell us, 55 pounds. And we're like, eh, how much is that going to cost? You know? And they're like, well, that's 50 bucks. But if we would have been less baggage, it wouldn't have cost us anything more. You kind of see it? Just that's a little bird picture for you to think about your baggage, Right? So what kind of baggage do you carry? Each person's baggage is different, right? But make sure you hear this. Each person has it. We all have it. And Christ knows all about it. Nothing's hidden. And Jesus is going to be present with you when you face it. That is a promise. Just like he was with the Samaritan woman that day. For the more that you know about your personal baggage, the better equipped you are to handle situations that arise. So, right when you think I'm losing you, you're falling asleep here, we're going to give you a quiz. <laughs> so we thought it would be good fun to give you guys a quiz at the start of the baggage series. And it will kind of help you to be, to understand maybe how I handle my um, emotional baggage or what how do I do this so we're going to put them up on the screen and you can pick between a b and c and you're going to need to keep track yourself and no cheating okay all right (laughs) okay question one it goes like this when it comes to situations that remind me of negative experiences a I avoid or shy away from these situations b I'm not very aware when these situations happen or I just brush them under the rug. Or C, I try my best to face them head on whenever possible. Now, before we go to the next one, I got to put a disclaimer here. Don't pick the one that you think you should, right? (laughs) You need to pick the one that you know you do, okay? All right. Now, question two. When it comes to trusting people, A, my philosophy is that people aren't trustworthy unless they have truly proven to be so. B, when it comes to trust, I don't pay much attention. Or C, I do my best to be open, but will put my guard up as needed as someone appears to be untrustworthy. Okay, you got your answer still? Last one, you're doing well. Question three, the emotional baggage that was caused by other people in my life makes me feel A, resentful, angry, and or emotional towards them. B, I don't even want to think about it. Or C, no matter what I'm feeling, I do my best to understand it and heal so I can move forward in a healthier way. Now you tally up your questions. This is three. And uh, if you chose the letter A the most, you may have a hard time dealing with your emotional baggage. Your tendency is to react negatively by withdrawing, perhaps feeling anxious or resentful or angry. And it really is important for you to find a sense of hope and willingness to heal from whatever in the past is troubling you. Now, if you chose B, maybe you chose two out of three, you chose B, you most likely are one who tends to brush things under the rug. 
they just work better underneath there. Just put them in there. <laughs> and avoid working on situations. Now, here's the response to that. You may fool yourself thinking that your baggage doesn't need to be dealt with. However, you can find coping skills that will help you face whatever makes you feel uncomfortable. So you don't have to put everything underneath the rug. Now, if both your, most of your answers were C, you're doing a good job. Of being aware of your emotional baggage, it doesn't mean that you don't have it, okay? It doesn't mean that you don't need help kind of going through it. But you're doing your best to try and manage it in a kind of in a healthier way. And so with this, that's where we're heading, okay? That's just your start in the baggage series. And as I conclude here, I'm going to say, understanding and letting go of your baggage requires what? What do you think it requires the most? In order to let it go, it's trust. It's gradual. It's a daily thing. It's trust in who? Christ, right? And so when Christ says to you, trust me, and let me tell you this this is something I still struggle with. And sometimes I even struggle with it on an hourly basis, <laughs> not only on a daily basis. But as I mature in my relationship with Christ, this is something that I take great comfort in. Whenever I feel the Holy Spirit telling me, if you want to get to the next place, Katie, some stuff has got to go. And so for you guys this morning, maybe that's something that the Holy Spirit might be speaking to you. And you can just place your name right in there. If you want to get to the next place, Sam, some stuff has got to go. You see, Jesus is the only master that will satisfy us. His living water. That's what he was telling her that day. And that's what she recognized. And that's where she put the trust in. That his grace and his mercy that pours out daily, really for our taking. So he took all of our sins so that we can have the water of life. Because he is the source of all living water. He offered it to, to them that day many, many years ago. But the same offer is here for you this morning. And for you, maybe this morning you might be feeling, I'm feeling, feeling pretty good about all my baggage or whatever. But maybe as your journey continues, right, and your baggage starts getting fuller, then you can know that he is with you along that way and that he is the source of all living water. And that God does not want you weighed down by all this extra baggage that we have. So my question to you as we start this series, and you're going to hear so much more from our other pastors in the next three weeks, but is this, would you like a drink of living, of the living water? Because it's that drink of living water. It's that gift. Like he said in verse 10, it's a gift. That's a huge thing that we overlook when we're reading that passage. It's a gift. It's not earned. It's there for yours for the taking. And so with that, I would encourage you to join us in the next three weeks as we continue to unpack your bags. And hopefully, you won't be just leaving a hairbrush behind, right? <laughs> okay, with that, let us pray. Father God, I thank you so very much. As you begin to unpack uh, our bags as you begin just to help us to deal with things in our life. Lord, 
that you're revealing to each and every person, that we all recognize that we have it, Lord God, that we can lean into you, that we can trust in you, to know that you offer us living water, and it's there for the taking. It's nothing that we can do to earn it. It's just free. Thank you for that, Lord. Thank you for your word, as we love you each and every day. In Jesus' name, amen.